Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. News Radio 1000 KTOK as the From Now On gubernatorial debate 2018 begins. We'll have two minutes to give his opening statement. Round one of questions will include four questions. Each candidate will have one minute to respond. Round two of questions will include four questions as well. Each candidate will have two minutes to respond. Round three of questions will include three questions. Each candidate will have one minute to respond. Round three also consists of a student-directed question specifically for Mr. Edmondson and a student-directed question uh, specifically for Mr. Stitt. Our leadership team flipped a coin this evening to decide who will be the first to speak tonight. Mr. Stitt won the coin toss and will give his opening statement first. Let's begin with opening statements. Mr. Stitt, please start with your two-minute opening statement. Thank you guys so much for having us here tonight, and uh, such an honor to be with you. And I just am so excited that uh, 18-year-olds are here and engaged in this process. And so I just wanted to kind of tell you a little bit about my vision for Oklahoma and why I'm running for governor. So I grew up in uh, Norman, went to Norman High School, and then went to college in Stillwater, went to Oklahoma State, got an accounting degree, and then moved to Tulsa. That's where I met my wife, Sarah. We've been married now for 20 years, and we have six children. And my daughter, my senior high school daughter's out there somewhere, so Natalie's out there. She's gonna be thinking about college uh, next year. And, you know, I got into the mortgage business shortly after college and started my company without many resources, but with a big dream and a big vision. And that's what I want for all of you. I have actually lived the American dream now. We, have, we employ more than 1,200 people all over the country, and I'm so excited to bring opportunity here for you. I want you guys to have a wonderful career, hope, and future. I want you guys to have a great career in Oklahoma. I want you to know that uh, uh, I'm going to be fighting for you each and every day. And, you know, when I think about, uh, I think about uh, you know, what we need in Oklahoma, when I look at all the other states around us, I think we have something really, really special. And I've got a vision for Oklahoma to be a top 10 state. I don't think we have any different issues in any other state. And so that's why I believe we can be top 10 in job growth, top 10 in education, and top 10 in infrastructure. So I look forward to uh, sharing more with you about our vision for Oklahoma's future. Thank you, Mr. Stitt. Mr. Edmondson, please start with your two-minute opening statement. Thank you very much, and I'm very pleased to be here with you all. My name is Drew Edmondson. I grew up in Muskogee, Oklahoma, and my first race uh, for state representative, I ran as a teacher. I was a speech and debate teacher at Muskogee High School, and as some of you might suspect, when I ran, my campaign staff were all high school seniors. And we funded our campaign by doing car washes and garage sales and everything that we could think of. It was a kind of a heady experience, and I enjoyed it very much, and we won that race. And it taught me a lot uh, about a couple of things. Number one, 
the importance of engagement in politics and government and what's going on in your state. And it also taught me that there's, there's nothing that can't be accomplished if you can harness the energy of young people and go to work to try to do something uh, very creative. So that was a learning experience for me. And I was grateful for the high school seniors that helped on that. I look back at uh, some of them. One of them is now a judge. One of them is uh, an astronomer uh, out in Arizona. And uh, another one is an assistant DA in uh, Colorado. So they've all taken uh, their experience and made the most of it. And that's why I'm running. Uh, I think we ought to make sure that uh, all of our students in all of our schools have as much opportunity as possible to make all that they can of their lives and their future and to help build the state of Oklahoma for their children and their grandchildren. That's why I'm running and that's why uh, I hope to make a difference after uh, January of 2019. Thank you for being here. Thank you for inviting me and I look forward to the questions. You're listening to the From Now On Debates on News Radio 1000 KTOK, the From Now On gubernatorial debate. Round one will include four questions. Each candidate will have one minute to respond. Question one is a question about leadership from Callie Jackson at Coweta High School. Oklahoma ranks last on many lists, from education to health care, and many believe the lack of leadership in our government is to blame for that. What leadership qualities do you believe that you possess? will improve our state, and how will you demonstrate those qualities to the youth of our state to set you apart as a role model? Mr. Stitt, your answer. So, you know, back in college, the way I paid my way through school was uh, working for the Southwestern Company. And then I did that for four summers, and I was able to recruit about 50 of my college friends. Time I graduated, I had 50 college kids working for me. So I have been, I found out I loved working with my friends. I was super entrepreneurial. And then I'm, and then in the in the private sector, now that we have 1,200 employees, I know how to recruit people, and I know I'm how to I build relationships, I and I know how to set a vision and a strategy. Um, you know, the purpose of our company is to strengthen families, and I think that's so important to be a leader that brings people together. And as governor, we've got to work across the aisle, and 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 there's always Republicans and Democrats, and there's rural versus urban issues. But at the end of the day. Um, you know, this is not rocket science. This is about setting a vision and a strategy and going and executing on it. So that's what I get so excited is leading our state, bringing people together, hiring the right people. Because, folks, you, what you'll find is, is you're only as good as the team is around you. So I love getting the smartest people around me, going and executing on our goals and our vision, growing our company. I'll do the same thing you, uh, in state government. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Stitt. Mr. Edmondson, your answer? Well, there are a lot of different skills and a lot of different traits that define a leader. The two that come to my mind are courage and innovation. Uh, you have to have the courage to take on special interests, to take on the powers that be, to do what you think is right. And that's what uh, I believe that uh, I exhibited when I took on the tobacco industry and filed litigation against them uh, because the people of the state of Oklahoma were being damaged. When I sued, they had never lost a lawsuit in the history of the United States. So I was pleased to take that on. Innovation came after the lawsuit was completed. Now, what are we going to do with the money? 
and I led the charge along with State Treasurer Robert Butkin to create the Tobacco Settlement Endowment Trust to protect the money that was going to come to the state of Oklahoma in the Constitution. Today that trust has over a billion dollars in it. It is spending tens of millions of dollars on cancer research, adult stem cell research, and other programs benefiting the health of Oklahomans. So courage and innovation are the two that I would commend to you uh, for your future leadership. Thank you, Mr. Edmondson. Question, num oh. question number two is a question on state question 798 from Maddie Ross, Edmund Memorial High School. Regarding state question 798, do you believe Oklahoma should join the 26 states and vote for governor and lieutenant governor in a combined ticket? Why or why not? Mr. Edmondson, your answer? Uh, I intend to vote yes on that state question. I think the governor and lieutenant governor ought to run as a ticket. The devil is always in the details, and uh, as your next governor, I'll be watching how the legislature drafts it because that won't be effective for another eight years. So the rules on how that works will be drafted by the legislature in the years uh, following the adoption of the state question if it's approved. I want to make sure if the governor and lieutenant governor run on the same ticket that the governor candidate be able to pick the lieutenant governor candidate. If it, they're going to be a team, then uh, the governor and the lieutenant governor need to start off as a team from the very beginning. I think also if the governor can pick the lieutenant governor candidate, that gives the governor, governor an opportunity to balance the ticket. Uh, either by gender or by geography uh, or by some other measure to where the governor-lieutenant-governor ticket are offering a real choice to the people of the state of Oklahoma. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Edmondson. Mr. Stitt, your answer? Yeah, I, I absolutely think that's the right thing to do. Uh, you know, when you think about a team and a, and a football team uh, or a business team and an organization, you can't have people fighting and going in different directions. Uh, the leader's got to set the vision and the strategy. Uh, so I, I've already reached out to Matt Pinnell and, and reached out to Joy Hoffmeister and the Attorney General. And uh, I'm going to bring these folks together and set the vision and the strategy. So when you have a lieutenant governor and a governor that are fighting you and going in different directions, uh, we're not going to be very successful. You've got to have everybody moving in the same direction. So I can't imagine somebody at my company uh, or somebody in state government that we're not moving in the same direction. And so you've got to have that at the top level in the leadership. Uh, uh, other states do it. We should do it here in Oklahoma. Thank you, Mr. Stitt. Question number three is a question on health care from Mackenzie Davis at Mustang High School. Oklahoma spent $1.7 billion in the last fiscal year for Sooner Care across all departments. Expanding Medicaid would mean about $100 million more dollars per year in additional state costs. What are you planning to do about Oklahoma health care? Mr. Stitt, your answer? You know, when you think about uh, delivering health care services in our state, you know, we have not re-audited those roles. We have gone from 500,000 people on Medicaid to close to a million. So blue states, red states have actually audited their roles, got the people that shouldn't be on the system off of the system. We need to do that in Oklahoma. And when you say we spend $1.7 billion, I want to make sure everybody understands that's the appropriated dollars. That actual budget is $5.5 billion for Medicaid. 
I've got to have the authority to appoint that agency head so we can deliver better services to our rural hospitals, to our nursing homes. At the end of the day, this is about delivering services and core services. That's why I'm the right guy to lead. Thank you, Mr. Stitt. Mr. Edmondson, your answer. Well, first, I, I want to answer the question. I intend to expand Medicaid coverage to include those who earn 150% of the poverty level. Uh, the Medicaid expansion would immediately provide health care services to 153,000 Oklahomans that work full-time but currently earn too much to qualify for Medicaid and not enough to opt into the insurance pool. And the upshot is that these 153,000 Oklahomans, they show up at the hospital when they're sick, but their care is uncompensated. And that's one of the contributing causes to hospitals going under, particularly in rural Oklahoma. It happened just in the last week in Wilburton. Uh, Paul's Valley is now doing a GoFundMe to try to keep their hospital open. The hospital in Sayre has closed. The hospital in Eufaula has closed. If we want to keep them open, we need to opt into the Medicaid expansion. And by the way, the health care authority is audited every year and consistently receives excellent marks on the job that it does with less than 2% uh, waste or unauthorized coverage. So I think we're doing a good job. We can do better and we can keep our rural hospitals open. Thank you, Mr. Edmondson. This is the From Now On 2018 gubernatorial debate on News Radio 1000 KTOK. Timberlake High School. If elected governor, what steps would you take to diversify the economy and attract new business to Oklahoma? Mr. Edmondson, your answer. We have an awful lot of opportunities to attract new business and to create new business in the state of Oklahoma. We have a very vibrant medical technology operation going in Oklahoma City at OSU and at other places. We need to capitalize on that. Unfortunately, the agencies that would capitalize on that have had their budgets cut again and again and again over the last eight years. So we see the Department of Commerce having its budget slashed. We see OCAST, the Oklahoma Center for the Advancement of Science and Technology, supposedly uh, capitalizing on these technological advances, having its budget cut, uh, reducing its ability to do so. OCAST is the conduit uh, for a group called I2E, which provides entrepreneurial money to people who want to do startup businesses in the high-tech areas. And they've had their budget cut as a result. So we've got to stop the cuts. We've got to fund the agencies that are responsible for diversifying our economy and let them work and let Oklahomans work in those new businesses. Thank you, Mr. Edmondson. Mr. Stitt, your answer? You know, day one in office, everybody's going to know that Oklahoma is open for business. You know, in business, we look at our strategic advantages. And Oklahoma, we have the best location of any state in the entire country. We're dead center located in the middle of the U.S. We should be number one. Also, we've got uh, great utility prices. We've got land. We've got natural resources. This is the right spot to be located if you are in manufacturing, distribution, aerospace. So we've got, to, we've got to have a governor that understands how to talk to CEOs. Because at the end of the day, when you guys get to, high, get to college, uh, we want you to have the best jobs. We've got to get the economy growing. 
Other states have done it. We are so fortunate to have the oil and gas industry, have the agriculture industry, but we've got to start expanding. Uh, you know, that's where we'll put commerce departments in higher tax states where we have a competitive advantage. And then we'll take commerce departments overseas. Uh, there are a lot of European companies uh, that need a U.S. presence. Oklahoma's the right spot. So as governor, I'll go out and recruit them and get them here uh, so we can move our economy forward. Thank you, Mr. Stitt. And with that, that concludes round one of questions. Hi, my name is Emily Kennedy, and I'm a representative of Edmond North High School. Round two consists of four questions, and each candidate will have two minutes to respond. Question five is a question referring to Oklahoma high school graduation rates from Emily Kennedy at Edmond North High School. Oklahoma high school graduation rates are below the national average. The future of our state rests in the education of our youth. Besides the obvious teacher strike and raises that are already being talked about, what specifically would you do as governor in the next four years to encourage high school completion? Mr. Stitt, your answer? Yeah, first off, uh, you know, everything starts with a, a vision and a, a statement and a goal. And so in a state administration, education is going to be top ten. All right, that's the actual goal is to be top ten in education. Uh, it's such an economic driver. It is so important for our future. It's the, it's the core function of state government is having a strong, robust education system. So, you know, and, and when I think about getting our kids ready for the workforce, you also have to think about the jobs of the future. Uh, and when you think about that, we, we fund common education, which is K through 12, then you've got career techs, then you've got higher ed. And I want every student to graduate from high school and to know that there's a hope and a future and a great career for you, whether it's in higher ed, which is about 45% of our kids statewide go to college, and we need to increase that. Uh, but also, 50% of the kids that aren't going to college, there are fantastic careers for each and every one of you. And that's what I want to tell you tonight, uh, that, that you can find a great, great career. Actually, uh, Apple, Google, IBM, there are major companies now are saying that it's not a prerequisite to graduate from college. They want computer programmers and kids coming out of the career techs. And so I want to make sure that we are working with uh, breaking down the silos between those different organizations. A friend of mine has a company in Mulgee, Oklahoma, and he just delivered engines, donated them to a, to a uh, high school in New York. And uh, I was asking him about it. And that high school in New York, when you're a freshman in high school, if you decide you want to be an AMP mechanic, you can do a dual classes, and by the time you graduate, you're an A&P mechanic. So we have got to think about and make sure that we are training and getting all the kids ready. Because when you graduate from high school, you make 40% more uh, than kids that don't graduate. So I want every kid to have a hope and a future in our state. Thank you, Mr. Stitt. Mr. Edmondson, your answer? When I was going to school in uh, Muskogee, Oklahoma, our high school taught French, Spanish, Russian, and Latin. They taught calculus and physics and chemistry. They taught all of these courses. They also taught wood shop and metalworking. Uh, you had a, a choice across a, a wide range and students enjoyed having the opportunities to study different kinds of things and to engage in coursework that they were truly interested in. If you want to stop kids from dropping out of school, make school more interesting to them. Offer the courses that are important. But we have cut education so much 
We have cut out courses. We have lost teachers. We have increased class sizes. And it's no wonder to me that more students than should are now dropping out of school. We need to reverse that. 30% of our school districts no longer teach a foreign language. 30%. And yet it remains a requirement for admission in most, if not all, of our colleges and universities. And one-fifth of our school districts only have four-day weeks. And I find that discouraging on its face, but even more discouraging is the answer I got uh, from a rural superintendent when I asked, how much money are you saving by going to four-day weeks? And his response was, we're saving a little, but that's not why we did it. And I said, well, why'd you do it? And he said, well, if we only have school four days a week, that's another day in a week when our teacher can work a part-time job at Walmart or somewhere else and earn enough income on the side that they can continue teaching. It is shameful how we have shortchanged education. We need to offer the students in high school today the same opportunities that I had decades ago in Muskogee, Oklahoma. You know, that's not Tulsa, Oklahoma City, or Washington, D.C. That's Muskogee, Oklahoma. And we need to be able to offer those kinds of courses in every school across the state of Oklahoma to keep kids engaged, keep them in school, let them graduate, let them build a future for all of us. Thank you, Mr. Edmondson. This is the From Now On 2018 gubernatorial debate on News Radio 1000 KTOK. Is a question referring to education from Courtney Tillinghast at Owasso High School. There has been a steady increase of emergency teacher certifications in Oklahoma education. Other than pay increases, how will we take steps to ensure that we have highly qualified educators in the classroom? Mr. Edmondson, your answer? Uh, thank you for the question, uh, and I, I, I find that very, very interesting. We, 2,600 is the figure right now of emergency certified teachers in our schools, 2,600. Uh, we were approaching 2,000 last year. We started at over 2,000 this year. Compare, if you will, 2012, just six years ago, there were 32 emergency certified teachers in our school system. That's how far and how fast we have sunk in our support for education. We have lost teachers in droves to other professions and to other states because of our inability to do what needs to be done for public education. When I visited with teachers, and I, I did this specifically as a follow-up uh, to the uh, teacher walkout in Oklahoma City, and by the way, I was there when the teachers walked out. I said I'd be there, I was there, we were with them, we handed out water, apples, rulers, pizza, coffee, you know, whatever it took uh, to keep them energized. But I asked them, aside from money, what can we do to improve the quality of education in your particular classrooms? One of the things they mentioned in every one of those meetings that I had was that their guidance counselors aren't guidance counselors anymore. They give tests and they grade tests and they aren't helping students in guidance to do what needs to be done. They said we need social workers in our schools because kids are coming to school with problems that we're not equipped to deal with. They need textbooks that are up to date. One of my favorite signs at the walkout was, sorry I'm late, but my textbook said the Capitol was still in Guthrie. 
The teachers said over and over and over again, this walkout is not just about a pay raise. It's about base funding for our schools. It's about conditions in the classrooms, textbooks that are up to date, and respect for the teaching profession. And that's what I'm going to work on instilling as governor of the state of Oklahoma. Thank you, Mr. Edmondson. Thank you. Mr. Sitt, your answer? Yeah, so my, my heart breaks for the teachers. As I've traveled the state and met with teachers and had town halls and met with the superintendents, understanding what they need in their classrooms, uh, it is, a, it is a, a national problem right now. Uh, the things that they're doing, I mean, I found out that the teachers now are having to uh, even as much as wash clothes when kids get there to school. So it's a, it's a different job description than it used to be. So we have got to encourage that profession. Uh, you know, pay is absolutely uh, so important. I believe we have to pay teachers what market is. And market to me is, is what they do in Texas, Kansas, Arkansas, kind of the states around us. So I was excited the legislature passed, and they're now number two in teacher pay in our region. And I just released my education plan on Monday, and I've got a plan to move them to number one in the region. That'll go a long way to let the teachers know in our state they're appreciated, they're valued. Uh, but it's also a, it's a recruiting issue. So when I think about uh, when I have a shortage of underwriters or how do we recruit more, you know, some of it is, uh, some of it is also bonuses and, and retention and getting them, getting them uh, into, in, into our state. And so I've got a plan to match with the local dollars, dollar for dollar, up to $5,000 for new teachers coming into our state. Whether they're graduating from colleges or they're moving from another state, we need to have a bonus program to recruit more because it's not acceptable to have 2,000 emergency certified teachers. Also, I want to change and make it easier to get certified. When you think about we have three different certification tests in Oklahoma. Nationally, there's one test used by 35 different states, the Praxis test. So I want to adopt that here in Oklahoma to make it easier to re recruit teachers from other states as well. Uh, and then when you think about back to the students, uh, I want every student to have an individual career uh, academic plan to make sure that you know what the future is for you and the career path individually for you. Thank you, Mr. Stitt. News Radio 1000 KTOK, question the 2018 seven, gubernatorial debate. To marijuana from Addison Spicer of Fairview High School. With the legalization of medical marijuana in Oklahoma, what precautions will you take to make sure that a non-license holder does not have access to the drug? Mr. Stitt, your answer? So I, I know that uh, the legislature, the bipartisan uh, committee is meeting right now uh, talking about this very issue. And as I've traveled all over the state, all 77 counties, and met people, um, you know, people are okay with medical marijuana. Uh, if it's going to help somebody, then they're absolutely fine with it. And I actually went and talked to some pain management doctors to find out would it help people get off opioids. And they said in certain situations, it, it absolutely would. So uh, the problem is we've got to make sure it's available for those folks that need it. And I know that's what they're working through right now through dispensaries and how we're going to get it to the people that actually are, are uh, in pain and need that, uh, that medicine. Uh, at the same time, we have to protect and make sure we have uh, safe working environments. Uh, we've got trucks on the road. Uh, we, companies need to know how to test for it, how to make sure that uh, uh, their, their companies are safe. So that's the other uh, thing that we have to focus on. 
Uh, also, I'd like to have, you know, educational systems where we actually educate the students uh, that this is a serious drug. It's not something to play with. Um, you, you, you ought to consult a physician and actually be prescribed this, this drug. So we've got to keep that out of the hands of the people that shouldn't, shouldn't be on it. And then obviously with dispensaries, uh, they're going to be required to have, show some type of card or some type of uh, uh, proof that they have a doctor's uh, permission to get it. And that's what, how we'll keep it out of the hands of the young people. But we also need to educate to make sure that you guys know that uh, it's not something to mess around with. And, uh, and again, you've got a wonderful future, and, and you do not need to me be messing around with, uh, with those types of drugs. Thank you, Mr. Stead. Mr. Edmondson, your answer? Thank you. Uh, in November 2016, the voters of the state of Oklahoma passed state questions 780 and 781, uh, which said that from now on, uh, simple possession of marijuana and several other drugs uh, will be a misdemeanor and will not be prison eligible. Uh, even a second or subsequent offense. That is now the law in the state of Oklahoma. Uh, but everybody should be aware that set that, that 780, which said it was not going to be a felony, did not make it legal. So it is still against the law in the state of Oklahoma to possess or use marijuana unless uh, you're a licensee under the medical marijuana uh, regimen that's being set up as we speak by the Department of Health and perhaps by the legislature. There's a bipartisan committee meeting right now to determine whether legislation is necessary. So the laws haven't changed as to legality of non-medical marijuana. They're still on the books. And all of the enforcement mechanisms are in place that it were in place before November of 2016. The only difference is, and frankly, I voted for 780 and 781, so I'm saying this is a good thing. You're not any longer going to be prison eligible for simple possession of drugs. And I think that's going to help reduce our prison population. I think that's going to be a good thing. And uh, there are still sanctions in place that can be in place. I mean, it, if you've ever spent a day in a county jail, you don't want to spend six months or a year in a county jail. And that sanction is still in place. Uh, so uh, we need to caution all of our citizens that it's still against the law, regardless of the medical marijuana uh, issue being before us. Uh, counseling is important. Uh, drug and alcohol and mental health treatment is still important, and I'm a great advocate of that as well. Uh, but uh, simply enforcing the law will be uh, the tact on uh, recreational marijuana that has not yet been legalized in the state of Oklahoma. Thank you. This is the From Now On 2018 gubernatorial debate on News Radio 1000 KTOK. Reform from Caleb Horn at Mustang High School. According to the Prison Policy Institute, Oklahoma now has the highest incarceration rate in the United States. Given that three-fourths of all those incarcerated will return to jail, what steps would you take as governor to reform our broken criminal justice system? Mr. Edmondson, your answer? Well, the first thing that we need to know, we've been saying for years that Oklahoma was uh, number one in the incarceration of females. The males have caught up. So we're now number one in the incarceration of males and females in the United States. And since the United States is number one in incarceration in the world, 
That makes Oklahoma number one in the world in incarceration. And uh, as you might suspect, uh, when industrial recruiters go out trying to entice businesses to come into Oklahoma, that is not a bragging point. Uh, that is something we have to overcome. So what are we going to do about that? I support the Smart on Crime proposal of the Department of Mental Health, which would put drug, alcohol, and mental health treatment facilities in reach of all Oklahomans across the state of Oklahoma. It's not rocket science. Ninety percent of those incarcerated in prison have an underlying drug, alcohol, or mental health condition. Okay, here's the bottom line. Three to five thousand dollars to treat someone's drug, alcohol, or mental health problem. Twenty to thirty thousand dollars to lock somebody up. So I'm a firm believer, both because it's the right thing to do and also because it's the economically prudent thing to do, we need to treat. We need to take care of the problems before they manifest into a, a prison term. And I'll put one add-on on that. Now, we talk about that as a resource to defense attorneys and prosecutors and judges. My heart goes out to those families who are dealing with a loved one that they know has an underlying drug, alcohol, or mental health problem, but they can't afford to put somebody into a private treatment facility, they don't have good health insurance, and they are living with a ticking time bomb that they know eventually will come to the attention of law enforcement. We have got to make resources available to them to deal with those problems before a felony is committed. Thank you, Mr. Edmondson. Mr. Stick, your answer? So it, it, is a, uh, it is a real crisis right now. We're, we're number one in something that we should be number 50th at. Uh, we have about 28,000 people incarcerated in Oklahoma. To get to average, to get to uh, kind of the midpoint in, in the other states, we would have to get rid of 12,000 prisoners. Uh, that's how bad we are compared to the other states. Uh, so then, but the question was, you know, how do we get people from going back into prison? So I've thought a lot about this, and we have to start thinking about rehabilitation. So Texas has a program called Prison Entrepreneurship Program. So when they're one year away from getting released, they actually take those folks and they start talking to them about what they're going to do after they get out of, get out of prison. And they start training them. Uh, they start thinking about, do they want to be an entrepreneur? Do they want to have a business? And they literally can start writing a business plan. Uh, there's other people that train to go become a welder. Uh, so we've got to start thinking about how we get them ready for the workforce. And then, and then there's the transition period. When they get out, you can't just release them like we're doing today. Other states will have transition programs. Uh, I've visited one down in McAllister uh, where you've got to let them get into, this, get, uh, into the system slowly. Uh, and, and, and jobs, the economy, that is where uh, they're not going to come back if they have a great job. So when you think about how do we help them, encourage them, get them into the workforce, we've got to relook at our licensing and, and um, you know, because most felons, it's so hard to get hired. I'm in the financial services business, so it's, it's almost impossible to hire a felon. We've got to relook and not paint everybody with the same brush and think about things that happened or if it's not uh, pertinent to that industry, how can we get them back into the workforce? And then fines, fees, and court costs, folks, have totally gotten away from us. Um, you know, the district attorneys have a really tough job, and I will be smart on crime, and I will support our law enforcement, 
But we have to think about alternative fundings because when one department gets 50% of their funding from fines, fees, and court costs, it becomes a death spiral for poor people and they can't get out of the system. I've met people uh, that literally got out of prison, ten, spent 10 years, got out, have been out for 10 years, they're still paying off 25,000 in fines, fees, and court costs. We've got to change that. I will do that. That's why I'm running for governor. We've got to have a fresh set of eyes on these problems. The career politicians won't do anything different. Thank you, Mr. Stitt. That concludes the second round of questioning. Hi, I am Peyton Burns, and I am a student at Kingfisher High School. Round three will have three questions. Each candidate will have one minute to respond. In round three, question nine consists of a unique question specifically for Mr. Edmondson and a unique question specifically for Mr. Stitt. Question nine is for Mr. Stitt from Peyton Burns of Kingfisher High School. Mr. Stitt, you've said you have a plan to make Oklahoma a top ten state in education. What is your plan, and where exactly will that money be coming from? So, first off, don't let anybody fool you that we do not have the money. Uh, last year, we passed a $500 million increase uh, in education funding. Uh, I'm not going to look to repeal any of that. Uh, then our economy has taken back off. We actually have $500 million more uh, in revenue coming back because the economy has exploded. Folks, running state government is about running a business. There's a $20 billion budget with 120 different agencies. So we've got to run it effectively and efficiently. And when you think about the jobs of the future and getting our kids ready, uh, you've got to break through the silos of common ed, career tech, and higher ed. We also have to stop de-incentivizing districts from doing more, from paying their teachers more, from having smaller classes. Again, this is not rocket science. I've got 49 other states giving me great examples how they fund their education system. And we have got to bring those ideas here because being 45th in reading and math scores is unacceptable to me. And the Stitt administration, we will be top 10. Thank you, Mr. Stitt. For Mr. Edmondson, your direct question. As a lawyer, you accepted the job representing the interests of the Humane Society of the United States. Some in the agricultural community believe that the HSUS is the single largest opponent of animal agriculture in this country. Should Oklahoma farmers and ranchers be concerned by your ties to the HSUS? Actually, a, a lot of farmers and ranchers think PETA is a bigger enemy of animal agriculture than HSUS. Uh, no, you should not be concerned if you're involved in animal agriculture. I took action against some hog farms to make sure that their sewage lagoons were properly lined and that their sewage lagoons did not breach into adjoining streams. They do those things, and I am fine with hog farms. I took action against some poultry farms because they were spreading too much litter on the land and it was running off into the streams of the state of Oklahoma and fouling the Illinois River watershed in Lake Tenkeller. They take care of the litter and I'm fine with the large poultry operations. Agriculture is, is vital to the state of Oklahoma and agriculture has been increasing in scale uh, just dramatically over the last few years. Uh, Large-scale animal agriculture is part of our life, and I am fine with that. It's an employer. It helps the economy. As long as they dot their I's and cross their T's on responsible handling of their waste, uh, they're going to have an advocate in Drew Edmondson as governor. Thank you, Mr. Edmondson. We're back to standard questions now. 
Uh, question number 10 is a question on legacy from Reagan Stevens from Weatherford High School. What will you put in place while in office that will be your legacy and continue to make Oklahoma a better place even when you're out of office 20 years from now? Mr. Edmondson? Well, I don't know yet. I didn't know uh, when I took office as Attorney General that uh, I would end up in litigation with the tobacco industry. And at the end of that uh, litigation, that there would be a revenue stream coming in and that I would play a role in determining that that revenue stream should be dedicated uh, to the Tobacco Settlement Endowment Trust. But I did lead the charge on that. It was on the ballot. The people approved it two to one. And it's now uh, in operation in the state of Oklahoma. It now has over a billion dollars, a billion in its corpus, and is spending tens of millions of dollars every year on cancer research, adult stem cell research. It even has a program to pick up the medical school expenses of a doctor who will agree to serve for a period of time in a medically deprived area of the state. I had no idea when I took office as Attorney General that at, that, that opportunity would present itself. But that's a legacy that will go on helping the health of the people of the state of Oklahoma long after I'm gone. I will look for similar opportunities as governor. Think outside the box, take a problem, and make a legacy for the people of the state of Oklahoma. Thank you, Mr. Edmondson. Mr. Stitt, your answer? You. you know, it's going to be reforming the structure of state government. Uh, when, when, when I think about running state government in these 120 different agencies, uh, we have, the governor has no authority to hire and fire the agency heads. And that's a problem because every other state has that authority. The Medicaid, for example, is a five and a half billion dollar budget. It's gone from three billion to five and a half billion in the Department of the Healthcare Authority. We're the only state, 49 other states, the governor has the authority of how the Medicaid dollars are spent. So we're just, we're fooling ourselves thinking that we're going to be able to get those dollars into our rural hospitals or into our nursing homes if we don't have the authority to appoint that agency head. Not to be a bad guy, but to create the type of accountability that we're all used to. And when my, when my services are at the bottom of the states around us, that's where I get really excited, folks, as we can be a top ten state in all these different things because we don't have any different issues. There's no different agencies in our state than any other state does. It is a management problem and it's a structural problem. That'll be a lasting legacy that I leave for future governors on how to actually run uh, state government effectively and efficiently. Thank you, Mr. Stitt. This is News Radio 1000 KTOK, the From Now On 2018 gubernatorial debate, produced by Oklahoma High School students. On civil discourse and engagement from Jake Flaggart of Choctaw High School. The mission of From Now On is to change the tone of civil discourse and civic engagement in Oklahoma. In that spirit, what do you agree on or like about your opponents? Mr. Stitt? You know, uh, I've been with Mr. Uh, Edmondson on several different occasions, and uh, his wife's here. I don't know if she's here in the audience, but uh, what I admire about him is uh, uh, his commitment to family. He's been married to his wife for, I believe it's 51 years, and it's something that uh, my wife and I have been married for 20 years, and uh, we look forward to uh, uh, that as well. Mr. Edmondson? Well, well first, I want to thank you on your commitment to improving civil discourse in this state and in this nation in the future. And uh, I'm going to copycat Kevin uh, because I think Kevin Stitt's commitment to his family 
He's obviously a man of faith, and uh, I admire that a great deal. It, it's evident in everything that he does, and uh, I think that's to be admired. Thank you, Mr. Edmondson. Uh, we're ready for closing statements. The closing statements will be two minutes for each candidate. Mr. Edmondson, please end with your two-minute closing statement. Thank you. And again, I want to thank you for the opportunity to be here, to answer your questions, and to uh, engage in this civil discourse here uh, this evening. And I want to capture your slogan, because uh, my closing statement is going to be that uh, starting in January of 2019, my slogan is going to be, from now on, we're going to properly fund education. From now on, we're going to take care of the health needs of our citizens. From now on, we're going to take care of mental health as every bit as serious as the physical health of our citizens. From now on, we're going to do everything we can to bring down prison population and to reintegrate prisoners into society. And in that regard, in 780, we said it was going to be a misdemeanor to have simple possession of drugs. Any person serving time today in prison for an offense that is no longer a felony, I want the Pardon and Parole Board to send me their names because from now on, they're not going to be in prison. From now on, we're going to work on diversifying our economy. From now on, we're going to work on having proper budgets to fund the needs of education. From now on, we're going to have certified teachers in our schools teaching our children. From now on, we're going to build a future that our children and our grandchildren can be proud of. From now on, we're going to protect our environment and we're going to protect the economy at the same time. That is doable. I intend to do it. So I thank you for the opportunity to be here. From now on, I would appreciate your help and support. Thank you very much. Mr. Stitt, please end with your two-minute closing statement. Yeah, thank you guys so much for, for being here tonight. It's such an honor to be with you and have you engaged in this process. You know, November 6th is uh, uh, right around the corner. And, um, you know, it's so important for the future of our state. And the reason I'm running for governor is, is I believe we have all the bones, the infrastructure, everything we need to be a top ten state. And that's top ten in job growth, top ten in education, top ten in infrastructure. And so I want a brighter future for you, for my children, for your children and grandchildren, so you guys have great opportunities here in this state. And as I've traveled, I've been all over to all 77 counties. People are so frustrated uh, with coming in last place in all these different categories. And they ask me, you know why? When you get there, Kevin, you've got to fix education. You've got to fix this. Folks, when I get there, we are going to end politics as usual. We're going to root out the corruption. There's a structural issue that we're going to change. I'm going to shine the light on the darkness in politics. Because if we keep electing the same folks, the same political elites that have been running our state for the last 50 years, nothing is going to change. You know, we've got to take advantage right now of the national economy. We have a great opportunity over the next 10 years to capture that growth. And as a business person, you know, I understand uh, what happens when an entrepreneur starts a business with one employee. 
they can turn into a 1,200-person company. So I'm going to be the governor that expands that economy and grows, and we can hit singles with 20-person companies and 30-person companies. And then we're going to restructure the way we deliver services, that I'm going to be having the power and the authority to appoint those agency heads and get the right people in those, position, those positions to deliver better services, because I believe in smart government and a government that delivers core services efficiently and effectively. So if you want a brighter future, if you want to be top 10 in Oklahoma, I ask for your support on November 6th. And with your help, we're going to turn our state around. And uh, Oklahoma's turnaround is going to start right here, right now. News Radio 1000, KTOK. The from now on gubernatorial debate. Candidates, as well as their student audience, and the following live stream and radio partners News Radio 1000 KTOK, KWTV News 9 in Oklahoma City, KOTV News 6 in Tulsa. This event put on by From Now On took the support of our many generous sponsors. At this time, I would like to thank the Americans for Prosperity Foundation of Oklahoma, Cox Communications, Kreider Marketing and Advertising, CSS Partners, Empire Slice House Pizza, Farmers Employee and Agent Pack, Oklahoma American Farmers and Ranchers, Oklahoma Cattlemen's Association, Oklahoma City Community College, and the Oklahoma Farm Bureau. And with that, thank you for attending our nation's first ever student-led gubernatorial debate. Remember, tomorrow is the last day to register to vote for in the elect register to vote in the election on November 6th. Please join us in the lobby for our post-debate post reception. Thank you. The From Now On 2018 gubernatorial debate is what you've been listening to for the last hour here on News Radio 1000 KTOK. Uh, I thought it was a very lively debate. I thought it was uh, very well organized by the From Now On organization, which is an organization uh, that has been sponsored by legislators in Oklahoma to try to get high school students involved in the political process. And so uh, they spanned out. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.